Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. Welcome again and this episode I finally got a chance to capture my midwife and hear her stories of birth. I just adore Yvonne and created such a special bond with her in the last half of my pregnancy. She came into this as our backup midwife and we were sure apprehensive as we already had a close bond to our other midwife yet after one hour with her we were all giggles and love and this what I felt is just true continuity of care. I really got to know her as a person and saw her great integrity and skill and also she is a martial artist, (laughs) a midwife martial artist. So her stories will revolve around 1984 when the norm was stirrups, enemas and routine shaving of the vaginal area. And so in this story, doctors with (laughs) gumboots. So what I love about... Her story and these podcasts is her journey um, from a standard 1984 birth um, with all the procedures and then Yvonne feeling that something wasn't right um, with her next pregnancy, totally taking charge of her body and having an empowering second birth four years later. Then she became a nurse and a midwife and a home birth midwife. Woohoo! Enjoy! Okay, hi Yvonne, welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm super excited to have you come and grace your beautiful presence because you were my midwife um, for my birth of Julia and I just adore you, so thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So did you want to just tell us a bit, uh, we're going to hear two birth stories from you. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's of your sons, Michael and Ryan, and that's in 1981, and then Ryan was 1984. So it'd be really good to hear um, a story there for the 80s. And um, (laughs) you're a midwife too, and a home birth midwife, of course. So maybe if you tell us a bit about yourself and your family, and then we can kick into your birth stories. All right. Well, I actually had my two boys when I was quite young. We planned it that way. I wasn't a nurse. I wasn't a midwife at the time. I was 21 when I had my first, Michael. And I actually did what a lot of young people and first-time mums would do is um, I thought, well, you've got private health cover. You go to an obstetrician. I did. And... um, My initiation into that was one visit with the the specialist, uh, him telling me I need to go for an ultrasound, which you didn't have in those days because it wasn't routine, um, because he thought I might have twins on board. And so on the day I went for this ultrasound, the sonographer then put the the Doppler on my tummy and found the baby's heartbeat and said to me, oh, that's good. Now I'll tell you why the doctor sent you. And on the form, he must have written um, that he couldn't find the heartbeat, but he didn't think that was something he should tell me. So, of course, his heartbeat was fine. And he went on to um, be 16 days overdue 
uh, I think he's so laid back even now because he was that, uh, you know, just he was happy in there. He liked his womb service that much. Womb service, love it. Yep. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah it was, he was cosy, and he's so laid back even now. But um, so of course I was induced. Um, luckily, sixteen days. Now they don't allow those limits. But um, and he did have his head in a funny position. And and it wasn't till the day of the induction. Of course, in those days, you know, you had to have an enema. Uh, you know, you had to have a bit of a shave, um, you know, all those horrible things that they used to do to women. And uh, Could you just I, tell the listeners that might not know what an enema is? What an enema is? is. Oh, you, you get this lovely uh, solution, put up your backside to empty your bowels so that um, they're not in the way when the baby's born or you don't uh, soil yourself while you're giving birth. So... I think that's why they used to do it. No one actually told you. They just told you you were going to have one. So, and they're, you not, know. they're not routine anymore? No, no, not at all now. No, that's well out of vogue now. Women can ask for one if they're particularly concerned about, um, you know, soiling themselves during the birth. Some women really worry about it. But I always say uh, it's a natural process and it doesn't matter if you do. And so the the enemas nowadays are simple, easy, and the women can do them themselves. So certainly you offer it, but um, in those days you were just told this is what you have and, you know, you just think they know what they're doing and go along with it. So, um, so on the day of the induction, of course, the doctor waltzes in to break my waters and I really think if I hadn't have had my tonsils out, he would have been able to rip them out from the internal he did to break the waters. And I was not allowed off that birthing bed for the whole time I was in labour. And once again, I just sort of thought, this is what you do. And so I stayed on that birthing bed to the point where I even had to use a bedpan to wee. And I had another obstetrician who walked into the room, no knocking, just walked in. He had no shirt on, just his trousers, a green plastic apron that just went round the neck and tied at the back and with gumboots on took one look at me and went oh wrong room turned around and walked out again oh gosh i, I know it's was it lovely. meant to be like in the veterinary surgery or something like that? Oh, i think so I, I i'm so glad you know even though i had an obstetrician i'm glad he wasn't my obstetrician because i was waiting for the you know the rope to pull the baby out or something yeah. the way it but so as it turns out i you know i did eventuate um in, in, you know, getting fully dilated and all those sort of lovely things where my cervix was ready and I wanted to push. And the doctor happened to make an appearance again just before that and he said, oh, I've got another woman at the other hospital. I'm going to go to her first and then I'll be back to you. Okay. So, of course, the, the midwives, you know, it's like don't push, don't push, and it's like, well, don't breathe, it'd be easier. So, of course, he did make it back and I had my baby and he put in the cursory sutures and um, and then uh, he was born, at, you know, about quarter past nine at night and then, of course, there's a shift change around the 11 o'clock mark and uh, we're going to go around to the ward and, and then I find out my baby goes to the nursery overnight. All babies go to the nursery. So I'd waited nine and a half months, ten months, or ten and a half months, for my baby to be born, and he was taken off me for the night. Mm-hmm. So, so this sort of information just wasn't available to people then. No, you, no. Did you do? Um, did they have childbirth classes yeah. in the hospital or anything like sure, that? Sure. 
Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I didn't. Any of that, I was so naive. Like I said, I was 21 and, you know, had never really thought about it. You just you sort of go with it. wasn't well read in those days. And, um, yeah, so he was born and we had to stay in hospital seven days. And, uh, yeah, that was normal as well. And I didn't think you could say, I'm going home early. You know, you just go along with the ride. And, um, of course, luckily when I went home, everything was fine. You know, breastfed beautifully and I had no issues at home. But it wasn't until I got pregnant again with my next boy in 84 that I went, why the hell did I do that to myself? You know, I just suddenly clicked and went, I don't want to do that again. That's ridiculous. So I was I was going to midwives then. I wanted to just see the midwives and have them care for me. I never even thought about a home birth. It wasn't um, a word that was talked about as much in those days. It was almost like a covert operation. Mm-hmm. Were, you, so, were you studying nursing at this point? No, yeah. not yet. No, right. not yet. And, um, and so I thought, oh, well, I'll go with the midwives. You know, at least they're more personal. They listen to you. Um, respect your choices and then I find out at at 37 and a half weeks that the local hospital where I had my eldest son Michael the obstetricians were no longer going there so everyone who was going to birth had to go to um, you know the next hospital along which was only 20 minutes away and not a problem but then I was told I had to find an obstetrician and I went an obstetrician I don't want an obstetrician Um, I did find one who to this day was one of the best we had in this area but um and he was lovely when I met him but I thought what do I do from here I um he actually on the first visit said to me pop across to the hospital and have a look around so you know where you'll be going so I thought okay we'll do that so we popped in there and I was met by this spinster midwife who said you will have a drip if you're more than three hours in labour, you will have an enema. Um, You know, I had a look around the unit. There was one shower and toilet for all the six rooms that were there. And I actually walked out of there and cried all the way home and said, I wouldn't let my dog have pups there. Why would I have my baby there? And my husband said, well, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, I'm going to ring the birth centre in Sydney and I'm going to talk to the midwives there. And he went, whatever you want. So I did. And I gave them my history. And they were quite happy for me to actually um, go up there, see them. And I did the following week. So I was 38 and a half weeks. And they said, we're happy for you to birth with us. Um, you will need to uh, come to our doctor's clinic, though, and just get the form signed. I went, no problem. So I booked that for the following week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I, was, I, I still would have. I was, and I would have just turned up and I would have said, oh, well, the form's not signed, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, so I went to the clinic and I saw this doctor and he sort of looked at me and he was humming and harring about signing this form. I said, look, I've had all my care. And he still looked at me and I think I did this exorcist and my head spun around 360 and I went, sign it. And he signed it so quick and gave it to me and went, good luck. Uh (laughs) And that was on the Tuesday. And then my Ryan decided to come on the Thursday morning. And the drive up up to Sydney from my place is probably, well, it could be about an hour and a half, depending on traffic. But luckily it was the middle of the night, as most babies like. And um, so the 
the travel there wasn't too bad. And, of course, when I got there, being in the birth centre, it was so relaxed. The midwife, you know, you have one midwife looking after you and they're just in and out and not intrusive. And I tried the bath and didn't like it. And so then I got up and out of the bath and I tried the shower and I stayed in the shower until I was ready to have him because the shower, I don't think it was big enough for, you know, my mother was in there with me at, at one stage, not in the shower, but in the shower area. And my husband was at the door and that was, you wouldn't get anyone else in there. So I got out of there, went into the, the birth room, which was just a, a normal bed and gave birth to my boy. And uh, so he was born at 6.30 in the morning and then I went and had breakfast with the other women that had had their babies. Oh, wow, he like had, a little communal breakfast. It was a communal breakfast. And then, um, and then, of course, my baby stayed with me. And I stayed that night and I actually said to the midwife that night because my toddler had come up with my husband and brought him up that afternoon. He cried when he left and I went, hmm, I don't want to be here. So I said to the midwife, I'm going home in the morning. And she looked at me because in those days it was still you stay in hospital for five to seven days. And I just said, I'm actually going home in the morning. Um, do what you need to do, but I'll be leaving. And so they checked me out, checked the baby out. And the next morning, uh, of course, during the night, I also, when the midwife came in to check on myself and, and Ryan, she looked in the crib and she went, shook her shoulders. And I went, and I just pointed to the bed and I went, yeah, he's in here with me. And I thought, you dare try and take him, he's staying with me. Yeah, oh. And yeah, and then I went home the next morning. And of course, later that day, a midwife from the local hospital turned up and said, oh, we've got a bed booked for you in hospital. And I went, no, thanks. I'm where I want to be. And she said, oh, well, well, you'll need to bring him in on day three for that newborn screening test that they do. And I said, no problems, I can do that. And that was the last contact I had with any help, um, which was fine. I just thought, I'm happy, I want to be home with my with my two boys and well, so get on with it. Where do you feel, I'm just picturing you back to that moment saying, mm. I don't want a birth like this again, just before mm. Ryan was born. Yes. Where did all that strength come from without, you know, look in our modern world and we've got so many resources now that we can tap into, um, have, you know, yeah. on the internet yeah. and beyond, you know, it's, it's great what's happening. So um, where did you draw from to get that strength and empowerment to have that birth that you wanted? Yeah, I'm pretty determined, but I think what it was was that being told I had to go to an obstetrician, it was suddenly that that choice was going to be taken away from me and I could I could feel that I was going to end up with a birth like I did with my first boy, where all my choices were taken away, um, that I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. And I went, I'm not going to do that again. I'm just not going to do that. This is not what I want and not what I could see for my baby either, that I thought, no, I need to do something different uh, I know it was quite towards the end of the pregnancy, but I still thought, no, I need to change this. I'm not having that birth experience. And I think it was being pregnant again and reliving your past birth and going, why was I so stupid and allow that to happen to myself? You, you know, and it, why did I just hand over, you know, myself, my body and my, you know, the safety of my baby and didn't even think about it? I thought, why did I let that happen? It's it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the question is hmm. probably the same still now on a lot of women's minds, and I know hmm. I had that same thing with me with Mally's birth. 
after that, I was like, why I'm such a creative, intelligent person and I make all these decisions with confidence and why did I allow myself to um, not stick up for myself in, in those terms? It is, isn't it? And mm. so how did it feel just when you birthed Ryan? What was the feeling like um, when he came out? Could you sort of take us through that moment? It, it was amazing because, like, my mother came up with us. She was worried she was going to be catching this baby in the car and I went, great, if he comes out that quick, that's fine, I don't mind. But um, when he was born, um, he had cord around his neck and under his arm and, I mean, one in three babies have cord and it doesn't cause them a problem, you know, and um, so the midwife was going, his head's out, oh, will I cut this cord, will I cut this cord? And I just pushed, I thought, no. Nah, I'm just going to, he's just going to be born, leave him alone, you know. And he came out, she unwrapped the cord, and, of course, he's just lying there. And I think my mother, because she she had a home, home birth, because that's what you do in Holland, with my brother um, 59 years ago, and he was breached, so bottom first and everything. And it reminded her of his birth where he came out and was a bit, you know, flat and needed a bit of help, you know, reminding himself to breathe. And mum said to me, she remembers looking at me going, but you were so calm. And I just knew that he was fine and give him a second and, you know, he'll just breathe. And so, you know, the midwife just gave him a rub and I just picked him up and he just was, that was the end. He was fine, you know, so. That definitely yeah. shows too when your mother has um, a good perception on birth that, she, that passes over to you. Um, mm, that exactly. Knowing, that knowing. Wow, I'd love to, like, um, hear more about your mum's birth stories. That sounds oh. really interesting too. <laughs> we went back to um, Holland in June, my brother, his wife, my husband and I and my mother to see where my brother was born. But, of course, it was a farmhouse, but that's no longer a farmhouse. But in the little town he was born in, he could never get his birth certificate. And on the day, well, we stayed there about two nights and um, we found the council chambers, thanks to the information centre, and most people speak English there as well. And um, the woman said, oh, yeah, I've got it right here. Do you want a copy? And I said, finally, you're legal after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite amazing to think he was born in this little town. And, yeah, and that's just what you did. Yeah. You know, that's what our parents did. And it's still the same over there too, isn't it? It's quite the norm for home birth. It is. I yeah. bumped into a lady on, on the way back to the airport and she was an air stewardess and she was pregnant and I, I could just tell and my husband gave her a seat. Not that she was big and pregnant, but she looked upset and I said to my husband, give her a seat. And then I said to her, being a midwife, I just said, are you pregnant? She said, yes, I am. She, and I said, tell me, how do you have your babies over here? And she said, um, well, over here we have them at home and the only reason you go to hospital is if you have a medical problem. So if you actually want to birth in a hospital with no medical problem, it costs you money to birth in, in the hospital. Mm, and I went, oh, yeah. Someone's got it right. <laughs> yeah, and their statistics are quite amazing too. Like they, they are. Yeah, They're incredible. In terms of yeah. hospital transfers um, and that type yes. of thing. And yeah. outcomes and all that too. They're all quite amazing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing those stories. And <laughs> I would love if you could just tell us a little bit more about um, your journey into midwifery because I'm sure a lot of um, your empowerment in your second birth probably came into the person that you are now and the amazing 
midwife that you were, especially for my birth. And I feel like, you know, and I'm sure many women do feel like that you're a very trusted person in my circle of life now. So <laughs> I'll never forget you, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I actually started nursing when my, my Ryan was two and Michael was five. So Michael was at school and um, Ryan would go... My husband was shift worker then, so my, he would go, if I was going to uni, he would go to my mum's, which he loved. So he was always either with my mum or my husband or myself, depending on uni. I did that for three years, and then I did some nursing in medical ward, surgical ward, and I thought, no, this is not where I'm meant to be. And um, so I applied to do... Um, I could have done done it through the local university, but, of course, you have to do so many days a week and you can't actually work as well. And I thought, well, I was only working part-time and because my husband was a shift worker as well, we worked our shift shifts to opposite so that the boys would only be minded for an hour, if that. And um, I thought, no, I have to do something that means more and this isn't the nursing side I need. So that's when I applied then for Charles Sturt University, which does it by correspondence, and um, you actually work full-time in the hospital. So I had to do a residential, two residential schools at Charles Sturt at Wagga, and um, that was the start of my midwifery career in 96. So it was a pretty intense year. Um, my husband was doing his MBA, at the same time <laughs> and I was putting in a heck of a lot more assignments than he was even looking at and uh, doing shift work and two young children um, so it was a really hard year but it, at the end of that year it was just amazing I remember a midwife towards the end of my well actually when I my probably my first second rotation in the in the birthing unit and, you know, these dreaded internals that women don't like. I remember doing one and the, the midwife would do it first on this lady and I still today think, oh, my gosh, we're subjecting women to two internals, but how else do we teach it? And I think oh, I've learnt since then, let me tell you. Um, and then I'd do an internal and I'd tell her what I found and she hit me and said, you can't know that yet. You're only, you're only just learning this. So I don't know, it just came naturally to me. But I did that, you know, the training, finished that, rotated in all the different areas for a while, um, and then I managed to get a, a caseload job where we actually look after couples throughout their pregnancy, look after them during their labour and birth, and um, then look after them at home for a couple of weeks after. And four years into that, they decided we could start doing some home births as well. And... Um, it was interesting doing the home births. It's something I always thought I wanted to do. But then I found that doing it through the hospital system, it was really still quite regimented. Women had to jump so many hurdles that even at 37 weeks, they could be told, sorry, now you're not appropriate for a home birth because they have to do all the blood tests, all the swabs, all the ultrasounds, and, um, and then get told right towards the end of their pregnancy, sorry, too bad that you've hired a birth pool but you can't have a home birth now so I sort of did that for a while and then I started to feel like the hospital was getting stricter and stricter there was policies for a policy um, you know more and more choices were being taken away from women and I thought no 
I, I don't want this anymore. So I left the hospital system and thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I, you know, mid midwifery was where I was supposed to be. So I thought about it and that's when I called up a friend who I'd known had been doing home births for 20 years and I said, you know, have you got any work for me? And she said, boy, have I? And that's where my journey into actual proper, what I call home birthing, not a hospital home birth, started to happen. Mm. And difference has been amazing. Mm. You know, just, you know, we always could sit back, watch a woman just labour and birth and really what does she need? She needs to make sure she's getting a drink, but she needs those words to say, you're doing beautifully, everything's well, trust in your body and you'll birth this baby. And um, we don't need to do internals. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All we, those things. <laughs> we had such a many conversation um, in my pregnancy when I sort of met you towards the end because you initially were my backup midwife and then the yes. circumstances happened and um, you became the midwife and um, mm. yes we had a lot of conversations and it, a lot of it went around internals too because um, I expressed my concerns um, with my first birth of the mm. internals that I thought were just routine and I had to do it yes. um, but how uncomfortable that made me feel um, so definitely it's definitely something that's getting spoken about a lot and needs to be talked about more. Um, yes. Yeah, because I think um, there's a lot of people with trauma in their life too that may not really necessarily um, enjoy, or not enjoy, that's not an enjoyable thing, but no, may not necessarily right. um, feel at all, you know, could send off a trigger, I suppose, into, oh, it does. into their trauma. And if you're getting that done at, in, during your labour... Um, even well, worse. So, I had a lady I looked after in the hospital who, when I first booked her in, this was her second child, first with a new partner. Her daughter was already about sixteen, and um, or something, you know, older, not not a young child. And I remember asking her in a history a question, you know, that we ask, and, and it was one that she said, I don't want to answer that. And I, I just, it, it straight away sent up this red flag going, something's happened to this woman. I don't know what it is. And and I just sort of said, have you had counselling for it? No. Okay. Wow, this is going to be hectic doing this birth because she wasn't open to whatever it was, and I knew it had to be something traumatic in her life um and you know we did a lot of debriefing about her daughter's birth and then went on talking a lot about birth but it came to her doing the swab at 36 weeks and it was positive and straight away she said that's what happened with my daughter's birth and this whole negative mindset just kicked right in and I went oh, oh. I thought this is not good how do I help this woman through this? And um, she went into labour, but she just wouldn't progress. You could see she just, she was so fearful. She actually, you know, being in hospital, time constraints, I said, we need to do something. Um, you know, if we don't do something and then you know, something's prolonged and something happens, they go, well, why didn't you intervene here and why didn't you do this and what? 
And I said to her, the only way I think we're going to get this moving is to break your waters. What do you think? And she went, yes, I think that's what we're going to need to do. And I said, are you okay with me doing that? And she said, yes. But as soon as I got a glove and that out, she actually turned away from me and wouldn't look at me, wouldn't interact with me. And I said, are you sure you're okay with me doing this? And she said yes, but she never made eye contact. So I tried to be as gentle as I could be. You could feel she was tense. And I tried to break these waters, which is very hard when a woman's resisting. And I always say to women, if I had to do an internal, if there was a reason to do one, I said, you tell me to stop and I stop. And that's, you know, you're in control of this. I always say that to a woman. And I'd said that to her, but she'd just shut down. Anyway, I could not break these waters. I finished. I just said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And I wasn't rough. I'm never rough doing them. And I finished doing that internal. She still wouldn't interact with me. I said, look, I'll be back in a minute. I needed to just get out of that room and I walked out of that room, I went to the front desk and I just burst into tears. And I, I just, the girl said to me, are you okay? And I said, no, I feel like I've just violated this woman. Oh, it's not okay. Yeah. And that's how I felt. And, you know, she ended up having this baby, but then she did get pregnant again and she'd rung me um, and... I looked up. She wanted me to look after her again, only this time she opened up. Her husband didn't even know about this trauma she'd had in her life. And I thought, how does he not know? Anyway, after she opened up and we did a lot, lot more debriefing and talking, this woman came in. She, she hired a doula this time. And you know what? She had the most beautiful... She had a, a bit of a... The shoulders did get stuck and they needed... I wasn't there at the birth. I couldn't make... I was in Newcastle. I was so far away. And I left to come back. But um, So my colleague had to look after her. And um, shoulders were a bit stuck. But other than that, she had all her own choices. And she still birthed her baby on all fours and did it herself and laboured beautifully. And I think part of that was her coming to terms with what had happened in her past. And she'd actually gone to a counsellor during that pregnancy. And I actually said to her, find one that you can then talk to your husband about too. And she did all of that. And it was just amazing. But I'll never forget that internal that I had to do on this woman. And I thought, there's got to be a better way than this. And, um, yeah, it, um, it's amazing, isn't it? And I see doctors walk in there when there's issues with a woman and they go to do an internal and I go, hang on a minute, hello, I'm Dr So-and-so, do you mind if I do this internal? And they look at me and I go, well, you know, would you like if I walk in and just shove my fingers up your backside? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think this, this just really shows how continuity of care and yes. um, the job of a midwife is not just um, helping the baby come out and operating no. the machines and it's so much more. Um, there's so many hats that a midwife has to wear and to 
allow a midwife to be, you know, full potential um, is, you know, especially ones such as yourself with the experience that you can offer um, is is truly healing. And I just think it's wonderful, like that woman's journey that she found mm. an outlet where she could heal and go on to have a, a birth experience that didn't trigger the, the trauma. Exactly, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> have had a little bit of a birthday brief before we wrap it up. Um, mm-hmm. From my birth, I, uh, it would be good to get your perspective on things. We can maybe just have a little chat about my birth. And, yes. Um, I, well, I obviously did the podcast of Julia's story in episode one. Um, so maybe just tell me what it was like from your, um, I was going to say angle, but that's not probably the right word, your point of view. <laughs> when, <laughs> how was I? Was I, you know, <laughs> all over the place or? No, no, <laughs> you, were like? a, you, were, you were a birthing woman. You were exactly how I'd expect you to be. You know, um, it, I suppose women, when they're birthing their baby, they're vulnerable. And that can, that can, you know, that's why that, that presence needs to be there, really, just for us to be there and look at you and go, you know, we've got a smile on our face, everything's good, just to bring that confidence back into you. And I think that's what, you, I saw it when I got there that, you know, you relaxed. Yeah, and, and I felt relaxed. And I felt, yeah. I felt your presence and... Yes. Um, I felt there was one moment I remember when you were setting up all the um, equipment, the oxygen and yes. whatnot, and I looked up and um, you were in the kitchen with Ingrid and um, I just looked over and I just felt so uh, warm and comfortable. I was like, oh, there, there they are. And you were having a laugh together and chatting yeah. and stuff and I was like, oh. But, you know, I was just so happy <laughs> that you guys were there and you were just, like, having a nice time. And then there was yeah. another, you know, and I, that feeling for me was, like, these two people here that I've chosen to be care providers in my birth have such an innate ability to see a woman and, you know, know where she's at in labour and yes. you came in at the right time and you said probably a few words that needed to be said at the right time and that was it and it was just yeah. all beautiful yeah not disturb the space yeah you did and you did that precisely well and I just had so much faith in you um if you know you could tell if something needed to be changed or done yes. so I was able to go into my labor self and tap into mm-hmm. my inner birthing mama self and yeah it was such a vast difference from Mally's birth to this birth so um it was really great to have you there and I remember I'll never forget when Julia come out and you went oh there she is (laughs) she's popped out (laughs) well you didn't know she was a she at that point but you went so there's baby or popped out give away what sex they are especially when couples don't know yeah yeah exactly (laughs) I think I don't think we looked for about 10 minutes no and that's fine I've had I've had one of the parents will ask me, what are, what is it? And I'll yeah. go, I oh, don't know, no, that's not my job. Yeah. 
<laughs> you have to have a look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I've seen what they are, I never, I never tell because that's part of the journey. I think is discovering what you've had, yeah. you know, and checking your baby out. And yeah, it's quite, it's quite exciting because you have them there and you kind of forget for a while and you're like, oh, wait a second, there's something else. There's like yeah. another little element of surprise that you get on top. It is, isn't yeah. that surprise is always lovely. Yeah. <laughs> thank you Yvonne thank you for coming on the show and um, sharing those it definitely again that's it was an empowering journey that you've just shared with us um, and mm. you know especially in to show what's changed since 1981 mm. to, we've still got a fair bit of way to go but um, yeah. we've changed a lot I suppose in the world and the work you're doing is great um, and I'm sure you've helped well, I know you have helped and empowered a lot of women into their birth choices too. Yes. So thank you for being a yeah, part. You're welcome. Yeah, it's <laughs> been good. Thank you. So I suppose women have to remember they have the voice and they have the choice and they have to stick with that and remember it's them that birthed their baby. Well said. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower. We empower.